Hey everyone, um, it's great to see you all. Um, uh, if you're new here, my name's David, I'm part of the team that leads this community, and uh, I get the privilege of, of talking to you for the next 30 minutes or so, which is great. Just a big thanks to the worship team, to Matt and Nathaniel and Megan and Hannah for leading us. Can we um, honor them again for how they led us? I, I've really been, <clears throat> really been sitting with that, that idea about um, how we just carry things in our hearts, and whether that's for one person or maybe it's just for me today, when we carry maybe disappointment or whatever the thing may be, there, there's. I just I'm glad to be here. I suppose is what I'm trying to say because the worship was beautiful and it was like a tonic to my to my soul. It was actually interesting to see whether anyone would show up today because it's marathon day. So it was a bit of an experiment, and people, some people have shown up. It's also bank holiday weekend, so people have shown up. It's great to see you. Thanks for coming out. Um, maybe next year we were thinking about whether we could actually serve the city in some way by engaging with the marathon but it doesn't pass our our street it's sort of like over there somewhere so maybe next year if they change the route again I don't know we'll see how what we can do um, I just wanted to share a few things before I jump into what I want to talk about this morning so Easter happened and then um, there's been another week where Stephanie shared with us last week um, but the Easter week the whole Easter Holy Week and really encouraged me, it encouraged the, the leadership team, and hopefully it encouraged you, there's different stuff going on if you were around that week. Um, two things particularly I was really encouraged by was um, our Stations of the Cross, which um, were out on the street and really had a, a little bit of an impact, I think it was like some, a very meaningful way to, to embody, I suppose, the story of Jesus and how he identifies with us at Easter, um, and I, I feel like it was really within the creative spirit that is in this community and hopefully it, it's a sign of ways that we can actually creatively um, tell the story of Jesus, engage with um, the story of Jesus um, through art and um, a big thank you to, I don't think he's here today, Stephen, is, is he here? Um, I'll thank him in person, but Stephen Wilson on the creative table, uh, you know who you are if you're part of Stephen and Stephanie's table. Um, they were a real big help to, to us on staff here, just making that happen. And I think you were, they were power hosing like the front doors have never been cleaner, I don't think. So a massive thank you to them. We were also really encouraged that week of Holy Week by the prayer room opening. And hopefully if you um, were around, you maybe got a chance to book into the prayer room. We launched it um, for a week and we were super encouraged to see it book up. And when you walk into that room now, there's prayers written all over the walls and and we've really noticed as leaders a real, a real sense of, of God's presence, the, that mysterious and tangible sense of God in that space just behind here. Um, so we were really encouraged by that and we, we want more, we want more of that. So we're actually in, um, talking about how we might open the prayer room up a little bit more. So uh, stay tuned for some news about how we can do that. I think we're going to open it up uh, on a more permanent basis that so you can just book in ahead of time. Um, on the booking form, but we'll send that out to you through um, the email newsletter, social media, all the rest of it. Um, but it was it was super encouraging. Um, uh, I also want to commend to you uh, Ryan's preach on Easter Sunday. If you missed that, please do listen to that. And also Stephanie's preach last Sunday. Those two preaches from Ryan and Stephanie who serve us so well were full of authority 
and they were pastorally weighty for our community. So if you've never, if you don't know, we have a podcast. We do have a podcast. Go on there, listen to their two preachers because um, their exhortation for us to be all in, um, to be all in, to live in this life of the way of Jesus in this community here was um, both encouraging and challenging. So please do that. Um, I'm going to skip to bar, Jack. I'm going to move on. We'll do that next week. Today, we're going to talk about um, a new series, which we're in for a couple of weeks, which is looking at kingdom ways, I've called it. We've been in Matthew. We've been looking at the way of Jesus. We've done the Beatitudes, um, and we're looking at the teachings of Jesus in this kingdom of God and the ethics of the kingdom of God. Um, and so today we're going we're gonna to spend this month looking at a couple of practical ways that teachings of Jesus, the way of Jesus lands for us, um, specifically generosity, compassion, hospitality, um, and we'll see where that series goes. Um, so if you've got a scriptures in front of you, if you've got a Bible on your table, please do open it. If you've got a, a Bible app, open it to so 2 Corinthians 8. If you're worried that you're here the week that we do the money talk, sorry, yes, you're here the week that we do the money talk, but we're a church family, we get to talk about all sorts of things, and we're going to talk about generosity and money this morning, and hopefully it's enlightening and helpful and challenging um, uh, as we seek to be faithful to the way of Jesus. So 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to, 1 to 9, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith and in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake, for your sake, he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And then just move on down the page to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Uh, to the end of the chapter, it says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things and at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. 
For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. It's a lengthy passage from Paul to the Corinth church. We'll get into what it sort of means in a second, but it's marathon day, so um, if you're like me, well, you're like you're here, so you're obviously not running the marathon, but if you're like me and you've ever, a few years ago, I tried to get into shape, and if you've ever done that, you know what that's like, uh, the magnificent shape that you can see that I'm in today. Um, I joined the gym and I got a personal trainer. I wasn't going to run a marathon or anything, but I got this personal trainer to put me through my paces to assess what shape I was in, did a, did a before photo and all that cringe stuff um, before he broke me. Um, and uh, if you've ever... If you've ever done this type of assessment, you know the personal trainers, they measure all sorts of stuff. They measure, you know, your BMI, your height, your weight, your, they look at your diet, your sleep. Depending on how professional and how thorough you are, whether you're training for an event, there's all sorts of metrics that they can go into. Um, you might even be able to get your limbs met, I don't know, all, all different types of stuff, hydration levels. But I suppose the key thing when you're beginning some kind of training, I think, I suppose it's, it's a simple principle, is that when you're trying to get into shape or trying to improve your fitness levels or whether you're losing weight or, as I say, whether you're training for an event, if you're training your body, it's important that your body is trained in a way that's um, balanced, I suppose, or in proportion, you know? Um, you don't want to be doing too much cardio and then neglecting the weights. Or you don't want to be just constantly working on your arms uh, on the weights machines and then you never touch your leg. Have you ever seen men or women who maybe have done that? You know, and they've got a huge torso, big shoulders, biceps, and then this, these wee tiny skinny legs under the shorts and it's like they've forgotten to do their leg days. You know, um, there's something about um, just an all-round, balanced, healthy, functioning body that is in proportion, um, not top-heavy. I suppose a good coach will figure that out. I'll get you to that point of being healthy and all in proportion. And you're probably wondering, why on earth have we just gone from Second Corinthians to talking about PT training? But um, I suppose this metaphor in the scriptures uh, of the church is of a body. And um, I suppose, in a sense, I'm using the analogy of a personal fitness coach this morning I suppose I suppose to give you an insight maybe into what it might mean for for me to be to be a leader in a church community the body for Ryan or for Dave or for Stephanie or Jillian or Matt or Dan to be to be leaders it's a little bit like being a personal fitness coach in a way you know we might not be the fittest ourselves but we're, we're still having to train but part of our job is to assess the body it's to see whether our head is a little um, heavy on those small shoulders whether the shoulders need bulked up whether the legs need bulked up how in proportion the body is I suppose because in First Corinthians 12 you know that picture that image of the body made up of every member every member being different coming together with their gifts and their to have a functioning body that's organic but it grows and it needs I suppose assessed to see if it's whole, to see if it's mature, to see if it's um, in proportion. And as leaders, we do that. And we do it really quite humbly, actually, to be honest. There, there is a weightiness to that. 
that there's a, a group of people, a community here that we are part of, but collectively we sense God has called us to help lead and help steward and help shepherd. And it means that we need to go to all the places and examine the body in all the areas in which um, spirituality has a, has a meaningful impact, which of course is every, every part of it. Um, and with the, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we seek to identify, maybe call attention to some areas that, that need help um, that need growth, that need maturity. One muscle in the body of spiritual life, I suppose, that can be a bit challenging to talk about is the one we're talking about today, which is generosity, particularly in the area of money. Because I think a lot of the times churches don't maybe approach that topic. Maybe we haven't approached that topic enough. Maybe because of the history around the church and money, and maybe that's the connotation that the church is always talking about finance and money. Maybe even going back to um, uh, before the Reformation and, and uh, indulgences of the Catholic Church, I don't know, or, or there's many mishaps in the Protestant church. Through, no matter what part of the church you look at, there's always been questions around money, and the church always seems to be talking about money. Why are you talking about money? And I think the reaction sometimes is for a community of faith like us who are really trying to grapple with what it means to follow Jesus faithfully. We just miss that portion out. In fact, I think we might actually literally have missed, I'm not sure, that portion out when we taught on the Beatitudes. I can't remember. Um, uh, I don't think that was intentional. But sometimes we just don't talk about it enough. So this morning, um, it's my job. I'm up to bat. Um, I lost the, the, the coin toss on <laughs> the leadership team to talk about money. So here it goes. Um, yeah, so yeah, our view can be, as I say, that view, and we sometimes avoid it. But we're going to look at this, as I say, this series that looks at these aspects of, of kingdom ways, compassion, hospitality, generosity. And I'm going to do a body assessment on, on Redeemer this morning. But before I do that, I suppose you have to ask the question about what we've been talking about in Corinthians. What's all that been about? We've read in Corinthians, there's a whole bunch of passages we could have spoken about because money is just talked about constantly throughout the scriptures. And here's the big idea in scripture, right? Here's the big idea. If this is the only thing that you take away today, this is it. There can be no spiritual growth until our money and our attitude toward money is placed in God's hands. It's inextricably linked to spiritual life and spirituality. And why is that? I think money is just too big a thing. I think it's a useful thing. But it can be a thing that distorts. It can be a thing that, 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 that encourages all sorts of greed. It's just a big force in life. It, it, it matters. We need it. But it needs addressing. It needs to be kept in check. It needs to come under the, the lordship, I suppose, of Christ, as we're going to look at. Um, and like Socrates actually said, like a life exa- unexamined is not a life worth living, which is true. So um, we need to examine every area of our lives. So the Bible seems to make clear, in a sense, that you might want more of God. We want more of God in our community. We want what that means is we want to have a vibrant, living faith that fuels our imagination for a better world, where we're in close communion with the divine, the mystery of Christ living within us. We want that life. We want to live life to the full. But to refuse to talk about money and then hope to do that is a bit of a non-starter. 
because these things are just linked. It's just the way scripture seems to teach about it. In today's passage we read, Paul is actually teaching the church in Corinth about this one principle, this one muscle that needs exercised, I suppose, it needs addressed. And I think it all fits under this title of generosity. What is generosity? Generosity is love in action. It's love, and I think about this for a second. If you love someone, you can't really love someone without, I suppose, being, if you're not generous with your, your time, your attention, even your money, your resources, um, is it really love? Think about other aspects of life. Greed takes, lust takes, but love gives. Love gives. It's those two words just fit, right? Generosity is love in action. So the sermon this morning is going to be really simple. Here's a few key points about why I think um, generosity is important for us and why we want to be a generous, giving community. So there's no. This is a simple sermon. First point is that the the, the Creator, our Creator God, is a God who gives. It's as simple and starts with that. We've been talking and singing actually about this in some of the lyrics um, that we sang today. Every breath, you've, every step you've breathed into us and we breathe out your praise. It's like there's an in-out relationship. It starts with God. The, the thing that Jesus has started, that he will finish, that all things will be made new. It starts with the divine. It starts with our creator, Psalm 24. The earth and everything in it, the Lord and its inhabitants belong to the Lord, First Chronicles 29, riches and honor come from you, for you're the ruler of everything. Power and might are in your hand, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. And James 1, uh, 17 says, every generous act and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the, the Father of lights. Redeemer, our, our God is, is a God of love. Christian theology reveals the divine as love, God is love, and he is a, a giving God. He is the one who sustains the universe. He is the one who sustains us. He is the one who has breathed his life into us. He gives us everything that we enjoy. It is his. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is the God of abundance, not the God of scarcity. He's the God who creates and gives and blesses. Ecclesiastes says, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. Life is a gift. Your existence is a gift. Some of us have been reflecting on that even in the last 24 to 48 hours because we've maybe heard of some news of people that we love, a particular writer, for example, Rachel Held Evans, who's impacted some of us in this community through her writing, helping us to grapple with our faith, sadly passed away. And her poignant last blog post was about uh, the whole message of Lent. From dust we came, from dust we return. Life is fleeting. It is a gift for us to receive from the creator, to enjoy, um, to make the most of. God is the one who gives life, sustains life. And God gives grace because God has given us himself. He's given us Christ. He has shown us the way to be generous, to be self-giving. He has gone all the way to death for us. Self-giving love. 
God gives, he is the God of extravagant, lavish generosity. He gives us rest. He gives us healing. He gives us peace. He gives us love. He chases us down even when we walk away from him. I think about the story of the prodigal son when I think about the generosity of God, the father, who lavishes upon the prodigal as he returns. He puts on his best robes, puts a ring on his finger and throws a feast. Sheer grace. Which is that second point, not only that God gives, but we give, we give. We give, but we give in response to this giving God. Our giving is a response to the generosity of a God who has given so much to us. It is from gratitude that we begin to practice generosity. The mark of a real Christian, and this is really challenging, is radical generosity. It's radical generosity. It's love in action. It means a way of life, a posture that applies, I suppose, to all of our finances, or sorry, all of our resources, not just our finances, money, time, and energy. The passage that Paul is concerned about in 2 Corinthians 8, he he says this, but as you excel in everything, you excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, you see that you also excel in this act of grace also. This act of grace, this act of generosity he's speaking about. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet he for our sake became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. This is the God who comes to live with us in the person of Christ, and in Christ goes to his death and empties himself and becomes poverty so that we can become rich and we can inherit all that our creator has for us. Our giving then, our lives come out of that place of recognizing that God is a God he gives. And our giving is not just a response to grace, but it is a devotion. It is a loyalty to the King Jesus. It is worship. As Jesus said, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And the famous line that we know, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So God's a God he gives. We give in response and out of grace, uh, as a response to grace, sorry. But we also give in devotion to this God of grace. We give in worship to this God of grace because where we put our investment, where we put our time, where we put our our money, where we put our resources is a signpost of where our desires are, where our heart actually lies. Treasures in heaven. Jesus' words are clear. He says on the end of that passage, um, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other. Or you'll be devoted to this one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus' words are clear. We can't do that. Because what? Because our hearts are where our treasure is. We've got to go all in with our investment in the kingdom. We become what we behold. We become like that which we invest in. And where we invest in there, our heart is tethered. And so the journey for us becoming those radical followers of Jesus that pray and work for a better world is that we would yield, we would yield our lives, our resources 
to King Jesus in devotion, responding to his grace, but responding in devotion and praise, giving to his kingdom because that's where our hearts and desires are also. Here's another point. In this passage, Paul says, we don't just give as a response, Jesus becoming poverty, that we might become rich, grace, but we give cheerfully. We give cheerfully. Paul aims to motivate this church in Corinth to become generous, cheerful givers, not because he's worried about the amount of money that they give or anything like that. It's about their posture, their, their attitude, and their hearts. The point is this. It says in, in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Not reluctantly and not under compulsion, out of a response to the grace of God in our lives, we cheerfully give back to God what is already his, that we're just stewarding. Here's another point. Our giving is just sheer grace in and of itself. Paul is quick to point out that generous giving is actually just an act of grace in itself, divine grace, because it's God that blesses our investment. It's God that blesses and enables us to give in the first place because he is the provider. It's that dynamic that runs throughout the scriptures that when we bless, when we give, sorry, the more that we give, the more that we actually receive. St. Francis of Assisi said this, that it is in giving that we receive, that simple paradox and it's, the, it's a paradox that runs throughout the scriptures. The more that we give, the more that we give, the more that we receive. The more that we bless, the more that we receive. Matthew 25, to every, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. There's a quote that's been sitting with me all week. There's a, there's a guy called Ian Morgan Cron. Some of you might know him from some of his teaching on, on the Enneagram personality um, profile test. Um, but he's actually a, a trained therapist, Episcopalian priest, um, musician, and uh, he's got many different talents. But there's a quote that I heard from him this week, which just really struck me because I've been wrestling with my faith, wrestling with the sense of my faith and how much it's evolving and how much it's changing, trying to grapple with it in this world that we live in today. And he just said this. He said, Christianity, it's not something that you do as much as it's something that gets done to you our job is to give God consent to do for us what we've never been able to do for ourselves I don't know about some of you but on your faith journey in life maybe you just it's like you can't escape God like you want to you're wrestling with him all the time but it's like Christianity is this thing that is being done to you it's like you're in a receiving posture. That's why when we come to the table, we don't take the bread and wine. We actually come and we receive. We don't take, we, we receive the bread and wine because it's, it's being given to us. That is the dynamic that is going on there. We receive the grace of God. And so our job is simply to show up and to, in a sense, consent to a better word for that in this day and age probably would be just to give our yes, as Stephanie was saying, to give our yes, just to take that step onto that soft ground 
and let our feet that are weary find their rest. Simply a posture of yes. Our giving is a response to grace and it's grace in and of itself. It's a posture of just receiving. So, PT assessment on Redeemer. What shape are we in? Let's find out. What about our faith community here? Um, as senior leaders, we've been, we've been wrestling with this recently, the spiritual muscles in Redeemer assessing, you know, are we, uh, are we a generous people? Here's a, couple of, here's a couple of numbers that just, I suppose, speak to what we've been wrestling with. The first one is 90. I think it comes up, Jack, which is that amazingly, your, your leaders give, 90% of leaders and wider leaders and those that are giving of their time give to the Lord, give to Redeemer, give to Redeemer, tithe to this local church, give, are committed in their giving regularly to this local church, which is really encouraging. But when we balance that all out across the whole church, the number goes to 34, which is 34% of Redeemer regularly gives, which is not great. It's not amazing. We could do better. It's not particularly generous, perhaps. It's not awful, but it's not, we could do better. So the assessment, the PT assessment on the body is that we're, we are such a serving community. We give so much of our time. We are such a loving, welcoming community. We are a worshiping community. This is just an area of our spiritual life that just, I think, we would be remiss as leaders to not just point it out because the scriptures say so much about the relationship between our spiritual vitality and our relationship with money and how generous that we are, how, how much we give. So 34% of our community regularly gives. So we have some way to go, we have some way to go. And I can sit uncomfortably with us, but there's always um, room for improvement, which is good. You might be asking, where, where do we spend our money in this little PT assessment? Where do Redeemer, where do we spend our money? Those that give regularly to Redeemer will receive a yearly financial report. We have those on our website for the last three, four years, and there'll be one coming out for this year. But in summary, we spend our money just making this community function, mainly on salaries, people that help make this community function. We spend money on ministry and resources. So we spend money on tots and kids and youth and Thrive and Family Matinee and Farm Box Ministries. There is money being spent. We spend money on this venue. We spend about £100 every Sunday just to heat this place, which is a lot of money, but worth it because we spend very little on our leasing. And that's in the winter. We haven't spent £100 today, I don't think. But it just costs money to run a venue. And we also give money to our and we want to be more generous as a collective group. We recognized recently, in the last six months, we've been having a conversation as senior leaders about we don't actually collectively really give other than to things that are, of our, are interesting to us, like our own ministry, keeping this place going, keeping the lights on, helping this church function, helping this, this church thrive. We believe in Redeemer. We believe that this is a community that needs to exist in our city. We believe this is a place that people can find a welcome and can wrestle with their faith and can come into relationship with Jesus. We believe in Redeemer and our vision and to serve our city. 
But we also, we, we, we realize that we, we need to lead by example and begin to actually give collectively. So recently we've made commitments to give. There's a soup kitchen at the top of Donegal Street. It's St. Patrick's that we've made a commitment to regularly support and give money to that. We're not involved. We might be involved actually in going along and helping, but we're not like in leadership. We're not dictating how that money is spent. We just want to bless that thing that's happening there because it's beautiful and it's making a difference. I was really inspired by a church recently that gave a church that's many, many thousands of people that gave, I think, 10% of all of their giving just to the council of their city. Just this is a church called Bethel, which we sing a lot of their songs about. It gets a lot of heat sometimes. They give a lot of money to their city. They, they fund parts of the police department and crime prevention, and they fund their, their civic center. They actually run it as well. They employ a team that run it on behalf of the council because it was going to be shut down. They've created jobs. And they give millions of pounds into their city. And I was like, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, just as a principle, no matter what we think about um, some of their theology or how they do things, just a bit different, a little bit of a different flavor than perhaps our faith here, how we express ourselves. Amazing acts of generosity, no strings attached giving, not just let's give to this charity that we believe in and we know how it's going to be, but just give to serve our city. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could be a church that they just gave like that. They gave generously to our city. They gave to things in our city that were happening that helped serve the city and the things that the city is trying to do to make this place a better place. So we've made that commitment and we're hoping to do more in future and add, if we can, to give money to, into the city. So salaries, ministry, resources, the venue, and also just tithing to the city and to other things outside of Redeemer. So here's the bottom line, Redeemer. Money is really, really useful. It's really useful. We don't have enough of it at the moment. We're actually spending more than we we have income. So we've got some hard decisions to make in around perhaps the next three, four, or five months, unless that changes. But the beautiful thing is that 34% is actually a lot of headroom for change. Because if 10 people began to give more regularly, if 15 people began to give more regularly, if 20 people began to give more regularly, um, it would honestly, this is a bottleneck, this is the complete bottleneck, this would totally, it would really transform what we're doing here. Um, if we could actually see that figure raised to 60% of our community giving, or 65%, um, it would really help us. So, we wanna be a generous people. We wanna be a people that love people and use money not the other way around. We want to be a community that love people and use money. We want to be, this is what we've always written about as a community from the very beginning. And those of you who have been in this community from the beginning, Jude and Ryan and Les and Jillian and all, uh, all you guys who've been around, you, you will remember hearing about us wanting to be a lavishly and extraordinarily generous church. It says on the back of these leaflets, let me read it to you. The way of Jesus calls us to a new way of being human in the world. It invites us to become people so captivated by the story of God's grace, so captivated by the story of God's grace that we can only respond with lives of incredible generosity. A Redeemer, we desire to be a generous people, a community that meets each other's needs, 
and gives our time and our money and our resources to bless and serve our city and our world. We're not there, but that's our aspiration. That's the type of community we want to be. Um, And not all of our giving obviously goes into the local church. We can give to charities. We all have that autonomy to do with our finances what God has given to us. But I do believe there is a principle about giving to the local church. I really do. Um, Why should you give? As we've already explained why. So captivated by the grace of God. Rooted in grace. In 2 Corinthians 8, Paul uses this example of this incredibly generous church in Macedonia to remind the Corinth church to be cheerful givers, to be generous givers because of the gospel of Jesus. And so that is why we should give. How much should you give? How much of your money should you give back to God in this way? The New Testament doesn't teach us about tithing. It instructs us to be cheerful generous givers. So at Redeemer, we don't preach tithing 10% of our income, but we believe that indeed the New Testament teaches us to be generous and sacrificial. So generous, sacrificial giving is, is in keeping with someone who is following the way of Jesus. And that amount is completely between you and God. How often should you give? As much as you're compelled by grace to give. You're under no obligation or law. We give because Christ is given to us. There are no rules. Some people practically give on a monthly basis. Some people give by cash. Some people give regularly as a means of helping the church. You can give in whatever way you want, by check, by standing order, by IOU, by cash. Get registered with GiftAid if you're a taxpayer. If you've got questions about how we spend our money more, please come and speak to us because we are open and transparent and clear. We will talk to you as leaders. If that is the hurdle that you have in front of you, come and speak to us. We will happily show you that. Um, Those who regularly give by standing order will receive the financial report um, as they did the last few years. Um, And yeah, as I say, if you have any questions, please do come and speak to us because we want to address this muscle in the body that seems to need a little bit of attention and is really linked to our devotion to Jesus and our worship to him. Here is the challenge today, Redeemer, to become a radically generous people. Let me encourage you to give, to make a commitment to give. In a world today where we're so often conditioned to consume and to take for ourselves, to avoid commitment, let us be a people that become generous, that open our clenched fists and just return Onto God, what is His? Let's make commitments to the kingdom of God. Let's invest all in in that kingdom. Let's tether our hearts to that way of living, to that kingdom. Let's tether ourselves to the way that the kingdom of God happens to be breaking in through this particular community here in this particular area of Belfast. But I don't want you to give today. I don't even want you to give tomorrow. I don't want you to give next week. I genuinely would ask as the leader of this team and leader of this church, to take one of these this week. This is all that I'm asking. And pray about this. If you're following Jesus, just pray about this. Ask the Father what it looks like for you to be a person of generosity. It'll involve Redeemer. It'll involve other acts of generosity. It'll involve other ways of giving. 
but it might involve a commitment to this community. Pray about it. See how the Lord leads you as you pray. Um, and I pray that it would be sacrificial and meaningful and intentional. You guys up for that? You guys up for that? Please, let's do that. Um, let's do it prayerfully. And let's, hopefully, we can be a community that does hold things looser, that can learn together. We're learning together as leaders. We're challenging ourselves to be, to be sacrificial and to be generous. But there's a spiritual dynamic when we open our hands and hand over what's in our hands that that blessing comes. God smiles on that. The things can happen. Um, I'd love to invite the band up and we're going to sing. We're going to receive grace through communion. I have gone on a little longer than I had hoped. Um, let's stand. There's an ancient prayer of the church that speaks about the churches, a people that are that are given, not just a, not a people that are just that just give, but that the people themselves that we are given, we are given to the world, we ourselves are a gift to the world, um, because Christ is in us. And there's an ancient prayer of the church that beckons that spirit. Um, it's it's a veni creator spirit. It's come creator spirit. Come Holy Ghost creator. Come from thy bright heavenly throne. Come take possessions of our souls and make them all thine own. So we pray together. Come creator spirit. We're ready to surrender. To return our lives to the Lord. To go back to the beginning so we can begin with God. To come to place our lives, our common ordinary lives, imperfect and inadequate selves, fully in Jesus' hands. These are the hands of the one who is the, in, the image of the invisible God, the one by whom all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, the one through whom and for whom all things were created, the one who is before all things, the one in whom all things hold together. Everything begins here. We surrender. We give our yes to you. Lord, we give our yes to you. We yield to you, creator God, the one who we move and have our being, the one who has breathed life into our lungs. We give our consent. We say yes to you. Have your way with us, we pray. Minister grace to us as we come and we receive your grace at the table as we break bread given for us through the body of Christ and as we drink the wine given to us through the blood of Christ. May we receive grace upon grace today in the name of Jesus. Please do come. Uh, Hannah and Matt are gonna lead us. Please do come and take bread, take wine. Uh, let's celebrate the kingdom. Let's celebrate grace. Let's celebrate the generosity of God, his goodness to us. Let's do that.